calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's Partner Plan. In fact, people who diet together lose 20% more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway. And maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin. New website for details on our two-month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over 21. Void where prohibited. Runs December 25 through April 4th, 2022. For official rules, visit Nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by Nutrisystem, Inc. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics. So get on board. Listen. Learn. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to the Coco Express Show for Monday, July 21st, 2014. If you've listened to some of my other shows, you know that sometimes I sometimes I get the days all mixed up, but not today. I am alert, wide awake, and ready to go. We have a really interesting show today. Many of you know that we have various segments that we 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 host, and um, one of them is real estate, and the, um, another of the segment is Wealth on Radio, which real estate is oftentimes discussed. Well, today we're going to talk about real estate, but on a completely different level, and you're going to learn so much as I have just by doing research for this particular segment. So we're just going to kind of get it started and, you know, let you learn as you go. Um, with us today is going to be Gerard Barrett. Gerard Barrett is the founder and managing principal of Prime Learner Companies. It's a private real estate investment and development company established in 2006 and is located in Newark, New Jersey. He's found a legacy in an, in an industry that is very challenging and very complex and diverse. I mean, it's broad as well. And all of these things come into play because of the global economy. A lot of people don't realize that the global economy has a lot to do with what we have and what we don't have. And and when we have issues, it's not just us having an issue here. It's abroad as well. Um, So I'm just kind of like throwing some things out there at you so you can get an idea of where we're going. You know, when you think of real estate, when a lot of people think of real estate, they just think about, you know, finding a property, buying that property, and that's the end of it. It, That's not the case. And that's why we're going to have our guest with us today. He is going to kind of like give us a really good understanding of the real estate development aspect of it, Um, neighborhood revitalization, restoration, all the pieces and the components that come into place for you to be able to see a brand new home in a new community or in an old community or to see a business building being built or renovated or whatever the case may be 
all this stuff just doesn't happen by happenstance. We just have to take a lot of planning and a lot of collaboration with a lot of people who are involved. So we're going to kind of try to get all this in place and get it kind of working and see how it goes. In the meantime, um, let's see. I have to tell you that we have been having some amazing shows in the past couple of weeks and I've learned a great deal about a lot of things and I would also like to take the opportunity to thank um, Larry Dunn and Louisa Dunn, his wife, for such a wonderful time that we had with them when we were last together. I believe it was uh, last Monday and we had a really good show on Saturday, Paradigm Shifters. We got more shows coming and I don't make a lot of grand announcements or anything like that, but we have been doing this for over five years and I have to say Thank you to each and every one of you for your loyalty and your continued support. We're trying to make a um, milestone here. We're trying to get 100,000 listens, listens, I guess. Um, like you say, you know, so many views, but we're trying to get 100,000 of those in listening. And I need your help with that. So if you can kind of like get the word out and push it out there and let people know that we're trying to make a, our own personal milestone. And We'll take it from there and see how it goes. Now, let's see. We, I, I, there's some things coming up that are really interesting. And we're going to be out and about at some different events. So we're going to be doing some live shows at different events that are happening that we don't always broadcast. And um, so... We're going to get the opportunity to kind of share some of the things that we do when we go out and about with you. So, you know, just keep an ear out for that. There's some things that we're going to be kind of like trying to um, pull together and get out there and let you hear live. It's difficult doing it live because you have no control over the background noise. So oftentimes you hear a lot of stuff going on in the background and you don't always hear what we're saying. But we're going to let you have, you know, a taste of that with us on a few different things, a few different opportunities and events so we'll keep you posted of where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing i'm sure you'll enjoy it as much as i will because i like being out and about even though i don't get the chance to do it very often because i'm always here behind the scenes trying to pull all the strings together and make everything work properly um let's see i have to tell you my condolences go out to the um families of the victims of the malaysian aircraft you know as much as i would have to say that I like to travel. My biggest fear is traveling at this point. And you have to screw your fears and just move forward and do what you need to do and everything. However, these things happen. You have no control over them and everything. But the stuff that's going on now on the ground since the aircraft was put down is, is some crazy insanity. And we got... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of things we gotta come to figure out with what's going on with humanity. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we gotta figure out with that because we are not acting humane in a lot of day in a lot of ways. Forgive me, but I am once again in a situation where I gotta try to find out what's going on. Like I said, when you're doing live radio. You never know what you're going to get, and you kind of, kind of pull it together and figure it out. I'm going to um, play a song that I like that is befitting of this particular show, 
But it's just one of the songs that I like. And you guys are probably, well, my guys, ladies and gentlemen, are going to kind of be a little surprised. But it is what it is because I have um, my workout music, and my workout music is so interesting. You'd be surprised. I go from one spectrum to the next. And from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum with music and, and cool down and, and in the middle of a routine as well as starting out. So in the meantime, let me let you hear what I listen to when I'm doing my um, research and background for the show. Well, it seems as if everything is kind of delayed right now. I don't know what's going on, but everything is delayed. And I guess we're just going to have to try to figure out how to make this all happen in the right way. So, I mean, bear with me. The computer's really delayed right now, so we're going to kind of like be going back and forth with all these different things. We've got three things going on, and it's all being delayed. So hopefully we can get this straightened out. And get the show cracking because I don't know. I really don't know. This is weird. So let's see. I hope you can hear me because I can hear you. And um, I got to make a phone call right now so that I can get this straightened out. Anyway, in the meantime... Interesting. So anyway, in the meantime, I guess I'll just keep talking until I figure out exactly what's going on because I just don't like this at all. And you're just going to have to hear my conversation this time, so we'll keep it live for sure. Yep. Like I said, with radio, you never, ever know what you're going to get. You just have to just roll with the punches as they come. Stand strong, stand tall, stand strong. Okie dokie, that's that. Well, anyway, I'll just keep talking to you, and um, we'll take it from there. Because it is quite clear that I've got some computer issues going on that ain't cool. But I hope you can hear me. But Yeah, I have to tell you about the... Um, the challenges that come with trying to, you know, really trying to move mountains is what I call it sometimes. Because pulling, I guess you can call it this train, up a hill can be quite strenuous and hard and difficult. But I love doing it. I love pulling it. Sometimes i got to push it because it just doesn't go. And it is one of those times that I have to kind of figure out exactly what's going on. The music is playing, but I can't hear anything. And I hope you can hear me. And that's the interesting part about it. And I got to see if we can get music is playing. So I got to see what's going on. And I'm sure somebody can hear me out there, but they probably can't get through. Okay. Okay. 
I don't hear anything. So we're having some technical issues, and this is just really crappy because um, the time is just wasting away, and this show, this should not be happening, and I'm going to have to... Ah. Yeah, this is really not good and everything. So anyway, let me just tell you um, some of the things that I have uh, discovered and learned um, about the different shows that we've been doing. I've been looking at the stats, and um, it appears as if um, between last year and this year, we have kind of slacked off on some of our great um, ratings, and we have to try to get that back. And I don't, I am going to try to get some really interesting people on the show so that, you know, like the person we're having today who we can't seem to get um, to call in live. However, I can try. Okay, that's over and done with. Okay, so I just sent the message out because we need to have some technical support right now. And this is just really silly because this keeps happening and I don't even understand why. And I have to tell you that... I don't like it at all. I really don't. I really don't. I don't have anything else going on but this, and I don't like it. So someone should reach out to me. Um, If you can hear me and you're trying to dial in, you can reach me on my cell phone, which is 215-221-2286. Okay? So everybody, that's my cell phone number if you need to reach me. And everything. So I'm just going to kind of, I'm not getting any kind of support whatsoever. So evidently, I may have to shut this down and start all over again, which I hate doing that. Um, Let's see. I don't have her number. Okay, people, we are really going to have to do some creative finagling around. I'm going to have to step away from you for a few minutes, but I will definitely be back, and um, we are just, this is crazy, because this should not be happening. I'm getting a little tired. Okie dokie, so we're going to have to Okay, just bear with me people Bear with me, we're working on it and everything So I have technical support here with me So, um It's not uh, something that is, it's not something that is, um, 
Okay, it's not something that is going to create too much of a... Oh, great. Okay, people can hear me, but... I'm, you know, trying to figure this out. So, we're trying to figure it out. Because it's saying there's no callers, but I know. And, you know... Okay, there you go. I will try something else. Let's just try this song. Okay, I'll play a song for this lady. Uh, okay, okay, okay. There you go. I was playing Kumo D for you guys and everything while I tried to figure out what was going on, but nothing. And we were almost. Okay. And I used to think you wouldn't dare, but I never thought you wouldn't care. You refused to let it go. You refuse to let us grow Girl, it's even now and then When you choose, let me know Cause I don't really want to dwell You say you forgive me But every chance you give, you make me feel guilty You know I hate when you bring up the past Why'd you come back here?
Hey, everybody, we're back. We had some technical issues. We were able to get back to where we needed to be. Um, I was on with technical support, and these things happen. Like I said, when you're doing live radio, you never know what you're going to get. Now, that we are back and we're live, we have our amazing guest with us, and like I said, his name is um, Gerard Barrett, and he's the founder and managing principal of the Prime Learner Companies. It's a private real estate investment and development company established in 2006 and located in Newark, New Jersey. And the wonderful and amazing thing about him is he is following his legacy. He has a blueprint for how he is going to conduct himself based on what he's seen as he was growing up. And it has served him well. He not only has um, made some major accomplishments sports-wise, he has also made some major accomplishments academic-wise, and now he's making some major moves in the real estate and um, development industry at this particular time. So allow me the opportunity to kind of like move on over and let's get this party started because it's way overdue. Hello. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your patience and um, we're just going to take it from here and just keep rolling. No problem. Okay, great. Now, I have to tell you that I feel like I know you because I've watched all the videos. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you in your element. I have to say there's one thing that I have to say that I was able to figure out, and that was that you can stand next to a dumpster and look down inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I am pretty tall. As you, as you mentioned, I did play basketball uh, at Columbia and um, about six seven, yes. So I can actually look over into a dumpster. That is correct. One of, one of my many talents, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, he's standing next to the dumpster, and all he has to do is look over, and he can look down into it. I need to get on a ladder to be able, <laughs> <laughs> just to be able to see the top. Okay, but right. you know that's how. Now I understand you're born in Brooklyn, right? Yes, I am. Born in, born in Brooklyn, uh, originally born in Brooklyn, and then uh, soon after, my family uh, uh, lived in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. Always had um, a house there over there in the um, more like the western ward of Newark. And, um, you know, from my childhood, you know, very, very, uh, you know, comfortable with Newark and just kind of saw Newark transition from where it was um, much then in the early 80s to, you know, the 90s and now to where it's, you know, back and making a strong comeback in a renaissance way right now in Newark. So, um, you know, very, very, very been in this community for a long time, which I love. Oh, great. Excellent. I, too, was born in Brooklyn, so we got a little bit of something in common. Hey. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. No, I love Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn is cool. It's changed a lot. And we're going to talk about the changes in communities and and neighborhoods and stuff because that's part of what you do. You are one of the people instrumental in change in communities and neighborhoods. Yes, yes. And so now um, I have a whole bunch of questions because you really had me doing some serious research. And I wanted to ask you, you, um, your company, Prime Learner Companies, is is vertically integrated? Yes. Now, I get it, but can you explain to my listeners, to our listeners, exactly what that means? So, um, 
vertically integrated just means, you know, we cover everything from, you know, the very, very uh, minutia of business from, you know, sourcing our own deals to um, coming up with the the capital structure of how we're going to acquire the deal. And also after that, after we handle the acquisition, we uh, will go in and come up with the development and, and management strategy and ties back all into, you know, you know, the process and the creativity that comes um, with the passion of wanting to change, as you said, our community. Um, communities like Brooklyn and then more so the community like Newark, in which right now it just um, has been underserved for so long. And, um, you know, us being able to be vertically integrated and control kind of our own destiny and, and handle so many pieces of the puzzle definitely, definitely uh, helps in our success. Uh, we're able to, you know, manage that much more efficiently and um, be able to produce in that, that beautiful project that we like to produce every time. Mm-hmm. Now, what made you choose this particular type of structure for your business? So, back when I um, initially uh, started um, doing real estate, um, and as it was for many people, I was uh, kind of very young at the time, so I was learning a whole lot, learning how what it meant to manage, what it meant to, um, you know, pick up property in urban areas and, you know, underserved environments, and it it stuck with me that I had to be structured in a way that I could control a lot of it because that would be the only way I could succeed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you're kind of young and you're starting out, you can't, you don't really have the resources to just say, okay, I'm going to do one thing and not the other, um, you know, because you can't really, you know, afford to outsource right away. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just kind of a mantra that stuck with us and has, you know, been something that has helped, I believe, in our success. Okay. Now, you say that you were really young. You acquired your first property at the age of 20. Yes. That yes, I is, did. So. That's that's great. That's amazing. Yes. Um. So, go ahead. And I want to say, how did you accomplish that? So, at the time, um, back back when I was in school, I had actually before I was in school, it was it was something that was kind of implanted in me very very young, probably. You know, when I was around like 16, 17, I had spoken to, um, you know, my brother who at the time was in college and he had um, some, you know, some classmates of him, his that were um, owning their own real estate already while in school. And then at the time, it seemed really, really cool to me. And it was like, you know what, I'm going to do that. And that's something I decided even before I went to college. And it was a goal of mine. And it's it's very powerful stuff, man. You'll be surprised um, what can come to pass when you just write it down and kind of speak it into existence. And surely enough, before I graduated, I was able to own my own real estate. And, um, you know, at the time I was working and, you know, had a heavy course flow, but I, you know, I um, kind of bootstrapped my way up and, and got it done. Okay. I like the term bootstrap because um, I forgot the pastor, and he has a church in Queens. He did the book called The Way of the Bootstrapper, and he talked about that mentality and mindset. And you had to have that mentality and mindset because you were playing ball, you were going to um, school, taking classes, and managing a property. 
that's a lot. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, it, it was a lot, and I, it forced me to mature and grow um, very, very early on in life, which, um, which I believe has helped me. You know, it's helped me in my development even now to be able to continue to improve and to be able to, you know, take on new challenges because, again, um, you know, the community that we deal in, you know, is a challenge. And, you know, it doesn't have, you know, all the, you know, you know, economic resources that normally one would have to be able to utilize. And it serves, uh, serves me well to be able to work and continue to produce in, in, in a challenging environment and at the same time give back to the community, which is wonderful. Um, I love seeing the progress that the work we're able to do and how it's being able to be put back in the community. It's just it's, it's a beautiful thing, so I love it. That's excellent. And the book was written by Floyd Slake. That's who it is. And he wrote The Way of the Bootstrapper, and he talks about that whole mindset. Um, now, okay, let's step back a little bit and let's talk about, you know, in the beginning when the show opened up before we had the um, the technical stuff, I talked about how, you know, we always believe that everything that happens to us happens here and here alone. And in the global economy, if things aren't right, we all feel it globally. Right. Right. In the real estate industry, how is that, how are you affected by that? I know so, tremendously. Uh, so yes, tremendously. I mean, you know, I I I have a, a very um, you know I study econ at Columbia, so I understand more more so of how, how a global economy can affect us all locally, and mainly from a thing uh, there's a concept of called externality, where you know things going on in China were you know at the time let's say like two years ago there was a a credit crisis in uh, in, in Germany and things of that nature. Uh, and, you know, what happens when currencies are, you know, kind of volatile in other markets and how that can affect your market. Like right now, globally, if you look at it, China is investing so much money into U.S. Uh, real estate right now. Um, and, you, and you can even read that... Um, you know, their real estate market is kind of cooling right now. And a lot of, you know, everybody knows, you know, the, China, the Chinese are kind of more savers in mindset, but a lot of global money is coming to our shores because they see it as more of a safe haven, it's more stable, um, there's more opportunities for growth than it is in their kind of more so artificial economy. So to understand that, yes, on a global scale, what's going on in other places definitely does affect us because it can artificially prop up our real estate. It can make our real estate come um, inflate and have a bubble. Um, it can um, also, you know, if that if that money leaves, it can make that you know can make it uh, go down a little bit. So, just understanding that uh, is big, um, and it's something that we definitely pay attention to. Um, so yes, I mean it's it's um, it's something definitely to keep track of the global scale of how that can affect your business and it affects each of us every day. Yes. Now, with that in mind, um, you're working in an in a area that you said has been underserved for, for a very long time and you're trying to build it up. Now, mm-hmm. I know from my own personal experience, 
that you just can't walk in a neighborhood and say, I'm going to buy the house and I'm going to fix it up. You have to work with a lot of different community people in the communities and the neighboring neighborhoods as well to be able to kind of like, let's say, purchase a property depending on what kind of property it is. Now, what is that, I guess you could say, um, action plan for you when you decide that you want to go into a particular neighborhood and, de- and redevelop that neighborhood? So that's very true. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it, you know. Um, from Let's just step, take a step back from, you know, a lot of times we um, are surveying different sites and, you know, our vision is to, you know, bring everything full circle and to make sure that we're able to develop and, you know, basically bring back the fruit into the environment and, make, and bring an environment and a uh, community back to life. So what happens um, uh, a lot of times before we pick a site, we have to meet with the local uh, community uh, places like the Urban League and meet with, you know, council members and things of that nature and, and, and really develop relationships on a grassroots level and um not only do that um you know we look we're looking also to right now to to uh, develop uh you know e- economic education for their surrounding communities because there's more to it than just obviously developing real estate and you know hoping the community appreciates it and things of that nature but we have to kind of you know so so that we we're able to bring the community up from within as far as educating our consumers and educating our people that are going to be, you know, the you know the living and breathing in these spaces. So that's initially uh, the first step is getting the community behind the project, and after that, um, um, we'll have a team of architects go in and kind of lay out a design plan and schematics and make sure that there's a plan in place that will suit the needs of the community as well. And um, then, then after that, there's more of the acquisition process, and then the development process takes place. Um, so you're right; it's not as simple as just saying, "Hey, I'm going to buy this." You know, I hope they like it. Um, that that doesn't really work in all development. So you're right. Yeah, and um, I have a little small background. Back in the day, I kind of worked for. Um, I guess it was a, they were real estate developers, and. Mm-hmm. They had a diverse, I guess you can say, real estate portfolio. They had nightclubs and buildings in the Gramercy Park area as well as in the Mm -hmm. garment district and all that other stuff. And Mm -hmm. having those buildings was one thing, but managing all of those properties was something completely different. And I understand that you do all of that. Yes, yes, I do. I do. And that is not, (laughs) to put it lightly, not for the faint of heart. Um, in every environment, I I would encourage everybody who gets into real estate to be their own um, manager of their own assets or property manager. There are people who you know specialize in that service. Uh, again, you know, with us, you know, being vertically integrated and want to control, you know, all chains of our product and our output, we we like to do that and control um, the level of service that we're giving to our clients and our and our tenants. But um, I, I, I would urge people as well that just you know kind of know what they're getting into, and that yeah, you, as you mentioned, that it's it's that's the biggest obstacle in life. A lot of times, it's easy to achieve and to acquire things. The next thing is 
maintaining it and managing it is is, is can be even harder sometimes. So you're right about that. Now, initially you started out as a one man show, but right. you being being as intelligent as you are, you realize you can't do it alone. And now you have a staff of six, I believe. Yes, yes. And um, I learned that very quickly, very early <laughs> on, uh, kind of just about, you know, a year after college, um, being in uh, a, a building of my own, working from a, an apartment within a building and just, you know, not having any life, uh, sacrificing, you know, everything I could, all my time and energy into a business, uh, not going on any type of vacation or not too much leisure time, It uh, you really learn very quickly that you yourself can only achieve so much. And um, it's something that um, I love now. As, you know, going through the process of vetting um, people and candidates to join the team and partake in the vision is, is 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 a challenge, but and, and it's something that we love to do because you know when somebody picks it up and and are able to run as you pass them the ball, it's it's a wonderful thing. It, it's almost like a, something again coming full circle when you have people that can join the team and really you know carry the torch further. Um, it's wonderful. And I'm sure, and it is somewhat of a relief for you because that allows you the opportunity to be able to go out and acquire more and and see more and do more and in seeing that i understand that you like to travel um you like to do a lot of travel and i wanted to ask you if the traveling does that help you when you're doing your um renovations and and restructuring or redesigning a building Um, because you've traveled all over the world and I know I love architecture. I love the way certain buildings look. And I know that certain areas and certain certain time periods have one look and others have another. And I'm getting somewhere. I am. I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I noticed when I was looking on your website, you had the California Project. Yes. Yeah. And so, what? And it was different, I mean, completely different than the other buildings in the, in the neighborhood. Yes, um, and that is true. Um, my love for travel and um, has broadened my horizons and has allowed me to kind of see so many things that will let, allow my imagination to run wild and kind of continue to fuel my vision for, you know, when I see something, what I can turn it into. And... Um, you know, it's almost like uh, prospecting every time I go on a new trip. So last uh, couple of years ago, I went to Israel, um, and I was on the beach in Israel, and I saw some amazing architecture, let me tell you. So um, even though the California house is inspired by something you would see in California, um, I have, you know, more things coming down the pipe where it's more inspired by things that you would see overseas. But it definitely, definitely um, helps with creativity to help me to travel and gives me an outlet um, and a blank canvas when I get a project like the California House. We can, you know, wrap the house in marble and woods and different textures and, you know, completely do a new thing. Um, and, that's, and that's what I love about it. I mean, we don't have to uh, be you know, trapped to the ordinary colonial-style house that you'll ordinarily see in Maplewood, New Jersey. We can give you a totally brand-new, modern, 
architectural home that you, you know, most people see and love, have so much natural uh, ability of light and uh, different textures that, you know, just makes you feel so warm and at home that, you know, you fall in love with it, you know. It, and, and it's also a conversation starter as well because it's something that's not of the area, which I love, we love to do. Okay. Because yeah, I was looking and I was like, you know, I was looking at the mix and normally I was surprised that you put the marble out there the way that you did and mm-hmm. had the the, the um, wood behind it. It was a nice mix. It's a beautiful building, beautiful building. And I, I was just, I was really, I really like the way you kind of mix some, some different things together that you don't normally see in that, I guess you can say, in that kind of succession, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So I was really, I, I found it really, really, really cool looking. And um, like I said, and I was watching the um, the video that you did where you were in the building and you were actually doing the um, the demolition. And um, I wanted to ask you, did you do anything with those fireplaces on both ends? Did you remove them or did you allow them, are you going to allow them to stay? Um, so you, is it the bigger building? The, um, yes, the bigger building. Uh, on Central Ave, yes. Those, the those, yes, the hospital. Those those um, will stay. Um, uh, we're In that building, we're going to do the same. So we're going to finish that building with a very, very lost-style seal. We're going to lo- use a lot of the natural brick that's already in that big building. I love when, you know, buildings that we restore have already so much character and texture inside. So those uh, those fires, those fire uh, places, actually speaking of, um, is in uh, a hospital for women and children that was built in 1888. Um, and, you know, that building was built so long ago where each floor had um, a fireplace, you know, and that was the way that you got heat in each of the rooms and each of the um, you know the surgery rooms and the patient outpatient rooms. So um, we're going to leave those there because that's that's so much character that we can get from that. Um, we you know they won't be there in some of the apartments they'll serve as a mantle, but on the ones that are at the ends of the, uh, the hallways, we're just going to leave them right there. They they're, they're they're perfect as they are. Okay, okay, I I, I see that. I can get that now. When you're dealing with an older uh, an older building of that nature and it has its own character and it has its own I, I call it a language it has its own language and right. when you go in it speaks to you and when you're getting ready to put your own touches to it and your you know give your own spin on it do you listen to what it says to you or you just kind of like go with where you want to go. So I, I think it's a mixture of both, um, and that's something I quote uh, with uh, Picasso, who I, you know, I think is a, you know, a very renowned artist, where he says, mm-hmm. you know, he comes into something, he begins with an idea, and it becomes something else, and that's very, very much so how it happens in real estate sometimes with some of these special projects. You just never know. So what happens is you'll go in with an idea, and you say, okay. You know, this this project is going to be, you know, like a factory loft. We're only going to finish the floors with, you know, shiny cement, and we're going to expose the brick and, you know, open duct and all that. And then something will happen where, you know, you know, it could be a foreman that may give you an idea. You never know. An idea will come from somewhere, and then you just run with it. And oftentimes, you know, it'll just work out. And it it, it 
it's funny. It's funny how it happens. So not all the time. A lot of times you do listen to the building and how it speaks to you. And, you know, as you start putting all this material back, you know, new ideas that just come out of nowhere. And some oftentimes you can get carried away with it. <laughs> so you almost have to sometimes wind yourself back and say, okay, that's enough. It, it, it's, it's ready to go as is. It's almost like working on a painting and never knowing when you're being, when you're finished. I'm not sorry. I used to paint when I was in uh, when I was in college, uh, high school actually, later years of high school, and I used to love that stuff. But um, you could just work on something for hours and hours and just like you know never really know when it's finished. So. It's the same thing with these buildings. Okay. Don't ever ask me about it because I'll have a Salvador Dali building, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be an interesting sight to see. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and what I'm, okay, now, let's see. Now, you have, well, you have a life now, right? <laughs> Yes, I have more of a life, yes. You have more of a life now. And it allows you the opportunity to be able to partake in some um, community community building activities um, and charitable, charitable causes. And, and yes. what are they and how close to your heart are these things that you're involved in? So as much as possible, um, my biggest right now community – you know, outlet is, um, you know, the church I attend. I attend church at the Cathedral uh, International down in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey. And okay. uh, oftentimes in, in churches I'm able to give back through, um, you know, um, different outlets and venues that we, we help assist with kids. Uh, we do a lot of clothing drives and food drives and, and the, uh, in the wintertime and things of that nature. So, those things are near and dear to my heart. I also support, um, you know, different youth basketball teams. I think basketball is a great outlet, um, giving people, um, you know, something to do with their idle time, making, giving them a structure. That's the biggest thing to do right now when it comes to youth. And uh, we're also in the process of, uh, you know, working with the Boys and Girls Club in uh, Bergen and Union County and looking to give back. Um, as much uh, support as we can. We also offer um, a lot of time with New Jersey Cares in the times of, uh, you know, the you know more in the wintertime, clothing drives and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And us alone, our company, we're going to do a run in the park soon for the kids that I want to um, start broadcasting now. But we're going to do... Um, we're going to do some giveaways. We're going to give away some laptops, and we're also going to fund some books for semester. So, you know, those are the things that are really near and dear to my heart. I think the community really starts with the, the kids, and mm-hmm. um, you know, because you know, that's who that's what all the work is for. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's about who you pass it down to and how they appreciate what you built. So, um, you know, I, I it's definitely a passion of mine. Okay. Now we're gonna step out of the out of your um your your community and we're gonna look a little bit more broader. Now and I'm gonna ask you questions about other underserved underserved communities and your perspective on that. Um okay. let's look at Detroit. Okay. Okay. How would you help try to get them to a place a place because they really there's no words for it. How would you help try to get them to a place? I think I, I think places that are underserved, like Detroit, 
um, you know, really give a big opportunity to people who want to climb, you know, economically. One, because, you know, the cost of living and the cost to, you know, acquire something that kind of has been left to the wolves are is a lot less. So if you can go to these places and find a job and, um, you know, um, make it work, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, Detroit is going to change. Uh, obviously, uh, it had great industry there before with the automotive. That has kind of, you know, left us a little bit. But, you know, it really just takes, you know, another, you know, Google or another, you know, Facebook or any anything like that, any type of big industry to move there that would start changing the whole economics of Detroit. So right now, um, you know, people, there's different groups that are going into there now and really looking to um, make change. Um, you can make money there, and there's opportunity in those in those communities as well. Um, I, I would tell anybody who lived there, lives there already and that are from there that they should own them. Um, they should they should be proud of where they're from and make make it home and really be good steward of what they have because it, it can only really but go so go up. God is only making but so much land. Um, and um, as communities grow, um, Detroit will also prosper. Okay. Now, um, you worked with. We're going to go back in the past a little bit. Um, I have had several experience with, well, I have several friends that were affected by Hurricane Katrina. And I kind of understand what they were going through. And I understand that you went down and you helped some of the victims as well. And mm-hmm. what would you have done? Because, okay, New Orleans is a different New Orleans now than it was, New Orleans rather, than it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you have done differently if you had the opportunity? Had I had the opportunity in the redevelopment of Detroit or the Detroit, you know, from a historical standpoint? From a historical – well, if we go back to Detroit from a historical standpoint, you know that they have some of the most beautiful buildings that were just kind of like just completely abandoned and everything. Mm-hmm. Given the opportunity, would you go in and would you take one of those buildings and try to make it shine again? Yes. Um, yes, given given certain circumstance and variables, you know that's what I love to do. I love to make old and turn it into new. Um, I see so much opportunity through repurposing and repositioning assets um, because people just don't realize. I mean, the, the, uh, you buy buildings and sometimes they're selling at a discount, but. You know, the bricks alone in those buildings would have cost so much money just to buy them, you know. Um, the type of, you know, architecture and the type of, you know, craftsmanship that you get in an older building is so much more valuable than the type of development that is being done today. Um, it just does, it doesn't even compare to me. So any uh, given the right opportunity, yes, I, I think, you know, most people would jump at that opportunity right now. I think that's that's really what's in from an architectural standpoint. Okay. Now, um, let's pick some place else that has a lot of history. Like I said, New Orleans. 
New Orleans has come a long way and is not the same that it was before. Now, had you had the opportunity right after Katrina, would you have gone in and taken an opportunity to make some building shine again? Um. I, I'm a little hesitant about that. I'm actually, you know, one who loves to travel. I have never been to New Orleans. And I'm really? Long, I, yes, I am. I'm long overdue. I've never been to Essence. I've never been to New Orleans for any football games or the, the what do they call it, the, the Bayou Classic or anything like that. I just have never been. So I what? really have to get, yes, yes, I really have to get more of a kind of a foothold on, you know, the the, the geography and just the um, – you know, the economics of Detroit as a whole, um, you know, from... I mean, uh, you mean New Orleans, New Orleans is... New, New Orleans, New Orleans is, yes, yeah, from, yeah. from from a, um, from a the standpoint of, you know, a natural disaster happens and, you know, prices kind of plummet and then, you know, the government is kind of like subsidizing everything. That, you know, from that perspective, it, it mm-hmm. makes sense, but I don't know, you know, I don't know that that much about it where I can say, yes, I would love to have gone there and made I know a lot of people who uh, there was a lot of opportunity in the reconstruction um, I'm not sure as much in the hold like there's some interesting you know you know you know articles and real estate going on in the, in, in the world and you know quite honestly there's um, we I write about and uh, kind of position and display a lot of them on this on this blog that I've started um, it's called the squarefootage.com and we talk about certain different um, marketplaces like for interesting you know, I, I know there's a there's like an oil boom in North Dakota, and um, real estate there is very very scarce. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people literally sleeping in tents because there's not enough real estate for these people to go mine oil fields and sleep there at the same time. So mm-hmm. there's opportunities, you know, everywhere that you know kind of come out in these kind of weird little pockets. But Detroit is one that I have to kind of do do more of my research on, but um, um, I'd have to get back to you on that. I'd yeah. And I'm saying, you know, being that you like architecture and stuff, I was, I am surprised that you haven't gone to New Orleans because they have some really interesting architecture there and the history, the history there of, the history there in itself lends itself to something that you would really enjoy a great deal. No, I'm sure. Like I said, I'm really overdue, and I'll probably will be making the trip there this year for sure. For sure, I'm going. Well, if you want to, I can hook you up with some natives, and they will um, really good people, and they can, I mean, give you an overview and a tour that you won't believe. I would love that. Yeah, they're good people, and you they would because they gave me a tour. I saw things and places and people, and they took me down to um, where the levees are, the new ones, and they showed me the whole construction of that. And um, they were just, I mean, so knowledgeable because they were from there. And they, when Katrina happened, they relocated to upstate New York, so um, they were in White Plains, and. Um, they really gave me a tour that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I would have went, you know, just on my own by myself. So it was a great opportunity. So, like I said, I can give you their information, and I'm sure they would love to just show you around. 
No, definitely. I love to do that. I heard the food is amazing, so I definitely oh, want to go there. <laughs> yeah. I, we, me and my daughter, when we ate our way through New Orleans, and I can tell you in a weekend I gained 10 pounds, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, boy. I had to work out hard, hard when I got back. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's just say, Okay, I'm in another area that I've noticed that, because now I live in Delaware, and I've noticed that in certain areas in Delaware, they're doing a lot of um, um, redeveloping and and reconstruction and rezoning and all that stuff. And I wanted to ask you about the rezoning. How does rezoning affect you as a real estate developer? So um, rezoning is... um it's something that's, uh, I guess, not not always an exact science. Oftentimes, it's happening because, you know, some you know consulting or planners that are working with the city are coming up with some economic development plan of how to reposition and rezone, you know, the grid to make it, you know, make more economic sense to get, you know, people living in certain neighborhoods, um, so that um, they'll grow and it can be, you know, just better better for the environment um generally it doesn't really affect us too much a lot, a lot of things in um uh in newark are, are are generally very neutral there's only about probably obviously aside from you know where the ports are and really really deep in the ironbound there's only but so many places that are just just industrial and a mm-hmm. lot of things have a mixed mixed use where it's residential and commercial mix so um, it doesn't really affect us negatively too much, which is which is great. So mm-hmm. um, okay, and, uh, that's yeah, that's interesting. Um, now, when you have like you have an asset portfolio that is sizable, but you know that you can probably triple that if you want to, you know, in time. Now, with that being said, you also deal in um i guess retail space as well now yes a lot of people don't understand retail space you know because it's just so complex so when you have retail space you have a building and sometimes you may have just an empty shell that you have to develop or you may have it built out and someone may want to go in explain okay yeah so mixed use space where you're going to have, uh, generally we like to deal with um, mixed-use buildings, and that means they're going to have uh, two outputs, usually some retail on the ground floor, and generally we still have a residential piece or component up above it. Now, speaking to, you know, retail, oftentimes you, if you know who your tenant is going to be, you can somewhat negotiate how much of a build-out you do. Uh, but generally the standard for, for retail is that you just kind of put, put up walls, you don't partition them off, you hang basic electrical uh, outlets, and you let them come in, you have them design their space because, um, you know, they know their consumer, they know their client. You really, so oftentimes they have people um, that work for those specific uh, companies that have built like, you know, a Dollar Tree or a Domino's or a Walgreens before. They know exactly the nature and the look that they're going for. So they have all teams that will do 
the build out of your retail space depending on who that end user is. So uh, when you have retail, it generally is a little bit lighter of a construction phase because you really don't have to do too much to it, which is um, can be pretty beneficial. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's great. Now, you okay? I have so many things going on in my head right now. Um, so you have you have the the mixed use. You have the retail space, the mixed use space. You have the residential, and you also own the property that you own the building that you actually um, work out of. And a lot of times people don't do that. Sometimes they rent space and then they have all this other stuff going on. But you have that space, and I noticed that. Okay, there's. Okay, let me slow down because there's six things coming in my head at the same time, and. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you have a, a building that has the ability to build up on. And mm-hmm. I'm asking this because what the heck is it when they want to, you know, with air rights and stuff? Um, because there's so much limited real estate space that people build up, so they have air rights? Yes. So essentially, and this is something that's more of a key factor in in um, New York because you know, real estate is, is so 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 a lot more scarce there. So people, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there, there's like a, there's far regulations to FAR regulations that how you know how high one can develop based on the you know the um, the real estate around them, and everybody has air rights. So what happens is people can oftentimes build higher by purchasing the, the, their neighbors' air rights. At least that's how it works in New York. Um, but it's, it's more of a complex real estate play where people will kind of buy the rights so that they can build a high-rise um, somewhere that, you know, ordinarily wouldn't have such a tall building. Um, and, it, yeah, just like anything else, it can be sold, it can be leased and things of that nature. That's how, you know, in the beginning, that's how Trump Towers was built. It bought uh, Tiffany and Co's air rights and other neighboring like Salvation Army air rights around it, so it can build so high up in, in, in Manhattan there. So um, it's more of a complex real estate play, but it's uh, again, it's not something that really affects us right now in, in mm-hmm. New York. Um, okay. But it can be beneficial to somebody that wants to utilize as much uh, square footage, you know, and build as as high as they can. So. Okay. Now, Newark. Okay. Newark has a reputation. Um and it's how can I let's see. Newark. Jersey City used to be not such a great place. And then because people realized Jersey City was so close to New York City, it became like next door, like Hoboken and all those other neighboring communities. Do you see that same kind of um effect happening in Newark? Yes, um, Newark is um, affecting neighbor, neighboring communities, but right now the, the transition in the Renaissance book is so good um, that I think this will, you know, a lot of people are finding that this is a place to be. Um, mm-hmm. We have a Whole Foods coming to Broad Street. Um, Prudential is building a tower, bringing a lot of jobs here to downtown Newark. Um, 
the, the, the previous administration did a lot of things with the state to make this more of a destination, bringing in more jobs and offering tax credits to, to spur development here. So uh, although Nick, uh, uh, um, Newark does have a stigma, uh, it is something that I believe is, is being overcome and even more so in the interim, in the short interim, um, which uh, put, has us positioned well to do very well in the future. Okay, great. And I know sometimes my con- my um, questions come out a little twisted. But <laughs> it's just that <laughs> there are like six or seven different things going on at the same time in my head that I want to ask, and I just want to make sure I get it out. But um, And I see that. And do you see, um, let's just say, do you see what happened in Harlem happening in Newark? Yes. Not, I do. Not, not right away, but I do that I, I think um, you know you got to look at um, Harlem and uh, you know I, I went to school there and, and you know I saw it transform right in front of my eyes literally and I, I used to tell people all the time when I first got into real estate you know shells in Harlem would sell for like uh, half a million dollars and I was like that's crazy like how could they sell for half a million dollars but now a couple of years later those same shells now sell for a million dollars and up in Harlem mm-hmm. and people are buying condos for a thousand dollars a square foot seven hundred eight hundred dollars a square foot which is you know crazy but at the time you know me being young and I hadn't really seen something you know go that high um didn't really I, I wasn't exposed to it I didn't really even know that was possible or, or really why that would make sense but um now I definitely think that uh the same thing can happen um in Newark and definitely in different spots you know the iron bound right now is is, is very very stable um mm-hmm. uh, the, the the central ward of Newark is pretty stable so it, it's there there's areas that are very hot and heating up and you know one day you know, I'm not sure will it be, you know, shells of homes selling for a half a million dollars right away. But, um, you know, the, the the market is strengthening and uh, increasing, you know, for the better. Um, because we have good assets here. We have jobs coming in. We have the Newark airport. We have the train station. So a lot of these things, you know, a small, you know, neighborhood of Manhattan doesn't have. But we have some pretty good key assets here that are, that are good to run with. Okay, great. Now, okay, there is the whole concept of the dollar homes. I know that New York used to have that, and other communities have that. Do you have that going on there now, or has that passed? I'm sorry, where where other developers have... The dollar homes, you know, like where they have like a um, a warehouse of all these homes the city owns and they sell them off for a dollar. So right now, um, the city of Newark has a couple, um, not so much programs where they give away properties. I feel like I've heard of those stories where, you know, people bought shells and brownstones for a dollar. Right now we have, they're they're working with, you know, other nonprofits that um, are being able to take back um, blighted properties through eminent domain and kind to reposition those assets through, you know, not 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 fire sales where they give themselves away for a dollar, but they'll give them away at a reasonable price to to different developers who are going to come in with a plan and look to um, rebuild the community um, within 
the economic plan of the city. So we ha- they have those programs. It's not as aggressive as the dollar programs that you've seen in the past, mm-hmm. but um, it, it still it still is good and will work. Okay, excellent. And when you are looking at a property, and let's just say, for example, a sheriff's sale or something along that that um, that nature, um, the procedure for you is it the same as the regular person, or it is because you are coming in as a company? Is it different? Um, I believe that the procedure should be very, very similar. I mean, I think no matter whether it's a company or a person buying. You need to be, um, you know, responsibly buying and buying something that um, that you have a plan for and that you can handle, and um, you need to know and do your own fair assessment of, you know, what what paying what overpaying would be, um, and kind of what's out of your um, your threshold to be able to complete because that can have just as much of a you know an ill effect to you know, the desire to do something and to re- and to turn it around that's in a distressed position already. Um, so I think um, that that probably would be on the only difference. You know, you know, a person may not may have limited resources, and a company may have a little bit more. So you just have to really be mindful and cognizant of that. Have you ever gone into a bidding war over a property? I generally don't go into bidding wars. Um, one, I think, you know, and it's kind of going to go against what I said, I think there's enough out there to where, you know, you can kind of go into a place of more blue water where it won't be as as much competition. Right now we have competition, don't get me wrong, but I generally don't like to um, go into bidding wars because that that, that offers uh, an environment to to overspend, and I, I, I don't I don't think that's, you know, the right thing to do when investing. Okay, and I'll give you a little history about um, what I do here um, at the Cocoa Express Show. We have a network, and under our network, we have two shows. Um, One is called Real Estate Straight Talk, and the other one is called Wealth Zone Radio. And Real Estate Straight Talk is self-explanatory, and Wealth Zone Radio is where you are taught how to um, position yourself to be able to achieve financial independence and and wealth and generational financial independence and and generational wealth. And so a lot of these questions stem from some of the um, shows that we've done in the past, and that's why I'm asking these questions, and they kind of like coming out so rapidly. And what I'm I'm asking you now is if you're ever interested, we would more than love to have you on one of those segments if you'd like. Definitely, definitely. I I would love to... You know, I'll welcome the uh, the opportunity. I would love that. Yeah, because um, I'm sitting here because we have an attorney, and she um, has done real estate investing all over the country, and she's got some other things that she does as well. And she does the Wealth on Radio, and I think that it would be an excellent opportunity for the two of you to chat because you two can kind of like discuss some topics that the, the average person probably wouldn't be able to to understand or has knowledge on. Well, that's wonderful. That would be great. I would love that conversation. Great. Now, in addition to you being um, involved in charities and, and charitable causes and stuff like that, I understand you like to do a little bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah, so um as you uh, that's funny you bring that up. So 
I um, uh, played basketball uh, in college, and um, you know, kind of after college, you um, you know, you play for fun, and it's not as competitive. So, you you know, you kind of look for new things and new hobbies, and um, something I, you know, just started picking up was. Um, to do, you know, kind of take bodybuilding into another level and just to try uh, I've been doing it, and, uh, like, let me tell you, it, it's it's another level. It's, you know, much like picking up any other discipline like basketball, golf, baseball, it has its nuances. You have to be very, very disciplined, and um, I like it, and I welcome the challenge. I think, you know, uh, something that is resonating a lot through this is that challenges excite me. So, you know, being in, you know, an urban environment like Newark and underserved communities where there's a challenge, um, you, you there's often time the, the ability to do something great. So with uh, bodybuilding, that's just like the next kind of, the next challenge for me and just continue to kind of get better at it and master that because it's, um, you know, it's something I like and uh, something I'm very interested in right now. So, it's it's been fun. It's definitely been fun. Okay, that's that's very interesting because bodybuilding at your height that should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That so, really we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, and it's a great way for you to you know keep your mind in shape as well because with what you do and all the different things that you do involved that you're involved in, it's required that you have something to keep yourself mentally keen. So It is. Just, it is. It's, it's so important. It's so mm-hmm. important. It's knock yourself out. I mean, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. I hear I am. you. And I have to tell you, um, I mean, it was. it's really good to be able to have a conversation like this with you because you enable our listeners to be able to understand that, that it's just, that you are doing what it is that you are passionate about and, you know, and you're making it work and you're not saying that it's an easy road and you're not saying that it's difficult either. You're saying it requires dedication, commitment, hard work, and belief in what you're doing. And that resides in each and every one of us. And this gives them the opportunity to see and hear it, you know, from a different perspective. And I want to thank you for, um, you know, sharing all of these things with us that you have. No problem. Um, it was yes. my pleasure and honor to be with you here today. Yes, indeed. And um, let's see, there is something else because, as you probably have guessed, the brain is firing up like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Now, okay, now what projects do you have that are going on that are ongoing that people can check out, and where can they check out some of your work? Right now you can check out a lot of our work on our website at uh, prime, P-R-I-M-E, learner, L-E-R-N-E-R dot com. If you reach the contact with me, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, my handle is my first and last name with the initials, so it's Gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D-K Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T. And um, like I mentioned, the the, the real estate blog uh, that we contribute to, and that is um, D-T-H-E-S-Q footage, F-O-O-T-A-G-E dot com. 
and those are, you know, numerous outlets where we post, you know, progress, we post videos, we post, you know, um, the the world in, in the, of development in these um, in these uh, conditions, you know, every day, and just kind of show you our progress as we as we move and develop, and you know, the different uh, trials that may come up. So I, you know, I, I urge you guys to definitely uh, follow us there and just continue to you know stay tuned. There's a lot of things going on. My biggest project right now is the uh, Bryant Park, which is the historical hospital for women and children that we acquired. It's, 27,000 square feet. It's one of our biggest renovations to date. It's very exciting. Uh, it's in the west ward of Newark. It's got a lot of, um, um, you know, uh, push from the community. So, you know, they're rooting for us. We're, you know, just, you know, taking it down. But it's going to be magnificent. You know, I can't wait for it to be done. And, um, yeah, definitely stay tuned. Okay, great, because we're going to keep our eyes open on this and see what the end result's going to be. That should be really interesting because seeing it from the part where you were just, you know, demolishing it and, and breaking it down to seeing a finished product would probably be really interesting on your site. That's probably going to be extremely exciting for you. It is, it is. We're going to have a ribbon cutting and everything, but it's going to be great. Oh, good, excellent, excellent. So... Um, I want to take the opportunity to thank you and thank Double Exposure for this opportunity because I I have a slight passion for real estate, but I just like the architectural aspect of it much more so and the, you know, before and afters because that work is really hard. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, but it's, it's really rewarding at the same time. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of what makes me go, so I love it. Mm-hmm. That's that's excellent, but it's it's hard, hard, hard work on your body. Hard. That's what I mean. Yes, <laughs> yes, it can it can be for sure. Yeah, and we're gonna kind of like keep our eyes out on you. Um, I'm gonna make sure that I give you the information for the segments that I mentioned to you, and you know, if your schedule permits, we would love to have you as a guest on any one of those segments. Um, okay, great. I think it would be an excellent opportunity for them and for you. And um, I will kind of like try to keep up with you and give you the information um, that I could share. Well, you know what, before you go, just hang on and we'll kind of trip over to the other line and I can give you the information about the um, New Orleans people. You're going to find it really interesting. Okay, great. You will, promise me. So in the meantime, I'm kind of kind of sign out and everything, and let everyone know this was an excellent opportunity for you to you know step inside the world as someone who has built um, a very successful business from the ground up. And as I said, that it takes belief in yourself, passion, commitment, dedication, and a good team of people to help you be able to. I guess you could say live your dreams and be able to just have all the things that you know that you want to have in your life the way that you want it. Nothing comes easy, but the reward for doing what you believe in and what you're passionate about is priceless. And that's what these moments are about when you are wide awake and living is having as many priceless moments as you can, being as happy and fulfilled as you possibly can. And on that note, we would like to thank each and every one of you for your continued continued support and dedication to our show. And I wish you all a wonderful evening. Be well. God bless. That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live.